Welcome to Working Matters. I'm Claudia Rempel. And I'm Carl Edwards. Join the conversation on the web at boldenterprises.com. Lies we believe about work. We are back at it. Bringing the truth to light, setting people free, because (laughs) we are... You have to stop. You're too cheesy. You're going to scare our listeners (laughs) away who think they're coming to some, you know, accessories podcast. Accessories, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, but we do. We believe these things, and then we kick ourselves for believing them, because it's, in one sense, it's obvious they're not true, but we want to talk about them. You know, we believe them for a reason, and we end up sabotaging our own job. Yeah, last week we talked about the biggest myth of of them all, you don't have what it takes. Yeah, oh, ouch, that one just hurts every time. It does, it does. And today we're talking about you have to prove yourself. Yeah, you have to prove yourself. So there's this um, kind of assumption we're talking about that before anything can happen, you have to prove yourself to earn trust, to earn the right to take on a responsibility. And it's a little bit backwards. It is, because the first thing that comes to mind is how can I prove myself if I'm not allowed to or I'm not able to do this thing that would... Yeah, if you can't even try, how are you supposed to establish that you're already competent? So here we can with either unintentional or intentional on supervisors' part of setting up a no-win situation for people of uh, with this one-liner, you have to prove yourself. You haven't proved yourself yet. You can't win. You can't get the experience you need to learn the skill or experience the dynamic in order to gain the competency, all of which take time. So the, you know, the obvious answer is, well, of course not. Nobody just already has it all and can prove themselves. So this seems to be this, um, I think one of the reasons why we believe this uh, lie or this myth so much is that I think there's a lot of fear associated with it on our own part. So there's a way mm. we buy into it in order to protect ourselves from proving that we may not be competent at something. Exactly. So we might discover that we can't do something. We might discover that it's hard. We might discover that we make a lot of mistakes, not all of which are horrible tragedies. But you're right, we kind of pre-protect ourselves from the possibility of failing by allowing this uh, myth to perpetuate itself. And then on the supervisor's side, it's a, just a total lack of trust on their part. It's a fear that if they let someone else touch what they or someone else already does well, they're risking this failure. They're risking something bad happening. And so they're basically not going to take that chance. And this lie allows them to get away with it because no one can satisfy this, you know, nondescript criteria. Well, it, it strikes me that really, if you can't prove yourself with what you can do, what's the alternative is that you you don't get better, you don't improve, you don't move to another area, you don't take on more responsibility. Exactly, and so you participate in your own stuckness because you allow this waiting to take place until you can improve yourself, which can never happen. So you're participating in this thing that is never going to happen. And so what we want to do is we want to turn it around like we did with the you don't have what it takes, and they both share this lack of specificity on what our supervisor or what the company is looking for. And if we can get that out on the table, then we can find a way to learn it. And if it's actually, if we actually work at a place where we're not going to be able to learn it on the job, then we can decide if we're willing to learn it somewhere else. Take a course, get training, get some other 
form, but most ideally, what we're looking for is just an opportunity to experience where we are. Where do we start confronting the Smith with that supervisor, with that person, you know, that holds something that we want to try to challenge or Mm -hmm. try to learn? Mm -hmm. Well, the process is the same. We want to be able to get the subject out on the table. Subjects, not that they're doing something to us or not letting us advance or holding us back. Finding vocabulary to talk about what we want to do. And then what specifically they need to see that will permit them to trust. If we can get that to a discussed topic, then we can start talking about ideas for how to get that experience. So it's worth the conversation saying, I'm interested in doing this. I know I haven't done it before. I don't, or X and X, how about we kind of hammer out some ideas for how I can get some experience in doing this. Exactly. Only, you know, you, d- you did all the work yourself in that. So really, you're just going to say, I want to do this. And someone's going to say, no, you haven't proven yourself. And then you're going to bring up, well, what can I do that would earn your trust to do it? If they can't describe it, you're back in a no-win situation. There's nothing you'll ever be able to do to win them. If they can describe it, then you can start having that conversation you just had. And you can break it down into things to try. Some of on the job, some maybe not on the job. Well, and I guess there's a, when we talked about the fear associated with with failing or making mistakes, that is a process of learning and we have to be prepared for that. Exactly. Particularly if we haven't done something more. Exactly. So we don't want to release ourselves and just say, oh yeah, I'm already competent and they just don't get me. There may be something quite specific, you know, that a mistake you do make regularly that gives them substance to their unwillingness to trust. So the conversation will get it out on the table. The other thing we do is we make the next step too large. Um, We have to get a whole new credential. We have to get a degree. We have to have experience leading something already. You know, job descriptions are notorious for this. We want somebody who's already had 15 years experience in this very specific area, probably not even out there. And so there what we want to do is we want to break it down. Your language was actually excellent. You know, what's something I can do this week? that will be a part of that and start doing small things that build toward that where people you work with get a repeated positive experience with your ability to learn, your ability to follow through, your ability to take things on and keep that moving. And then there's going to be progression toward what you want to do. And their trust builds at the same time. So if you have a low trust supervisor, that's, (laughs) that's very unfortunate on the one hand, but if that is your reality then these small steps and establishing over and over again builds trust. And they learn, not because you said so, but because they see it again and again and again, that you actually do the things that you say, that you can, and that builds their trust that they probably can't even describe. And again, I mean, we often talk about how we really have very limited ability to control someone else, but we can affect the way that we approach something. So if, mm-hmm. you know, you can't control that your supervisor doesn't trust you, you can approach them with trying to work on it. There you go. Almost like one of those decision-making trees that you're at the top of. So before it's even brought up, you know, bring it up, make it specific. Now, if they can't give you a specific answer, you know, you go down one side of the tree and you have to tell if, you know, asking more specific questions helps them articulate it or, or not. If it does help them articulate it, then you can start talking about the things, the practical things that they articulate that would build their trust. They can't, if they can't articulate it, then you've got this no-win person and you don't keep trying. 
to satisfy someone who doesn't even have criteria in their mind. Well, and I guess that is so, the kind of what ties in this first and second myth is that we have somehow someone, this person, X, has a preconceived notion of what something should look like, and they can't mm-hmm. see us in that role for whatever reason. Our job is to help or to help us not believe that and articulate what's covering their eyes. Without doing the thing of trying to make them the problem. And that's the kind of battle some people get into, is they say, you won't trust me. You've created this non-workable, I'll repeat our words, actually. You've created a situation, a no-win situation for me. And that just makes people defensive. Because the lack of trust they're feeling is real. So, But if you could switch the subject to the experiences and actions and things that you would do that would build trust, then they would start talking about them if they had them. Well, it is probably the hardest thing to to have to prove yourself in any way. I think we always feel a little defensive about having to prove yourself. But, you know, the, the reality is we're not pre-competent to do something we haven't right. done before. And so what we're going to want to do with this lie is empower ourselves not to just be in this no-win situation where we have to find a way to prove ourselves without being able to learn what we need to learn. And once we realize that, then we can start, one, having this line of conversations of what we'll do it on the job, or we can go and get the specific skills and credentials somewhere else. And that's our choice. And, you know, worst case scenario, we need to move on. Move on. Well, next week we'll be talking about hard work and whether or not it, sometimes it doesn't get rewarded, but the myth is that hard work will be rewarded. Mm-hmm. So join us on the web at boldenterprises.com. Any comments or questions? See you next time. This podcast is a Bold Enterprises production.